0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he's saying to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the gospel of the Lord. When I was growing up, my mom's parents, my maternal grandparents, lived three miles north of us on the family farm. My dad's parents, Grandma and Grandpa Uphoff, lived 60 miles north of us outside of Peoria. And I remember when we were little kids, very little kids, we would refer to them when talking about them at home is close grandma and grandpa and far away grandma and grandpa. Now, of course, the older I get, the more I realize how absurd it is to call anybody that lives only an hour away, far away. But of course, to a kid, it seemed far away and distance is relative, and compared to three miles away grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa up off were far away grandma and grandpa. I'm sure a lot of you would give your left arm to have your grandkids only an hour away. That would seem a lot closer, wouldn't it? Well, we all know that time is something that's set, right? Seconds don't change their definition, neither do minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, and so on. They are what they are, those units of measurement that we have laid them out to be, but time can certainly seem different, right? A little kid in a car for an hour, an hour does seem like a long time. It might as well be the whole day. And, of course, it should, right? i like to think about this fact that if you guys remember being little kids, those of you who aren't still little kids, do you remember being little and how time just seemed to last forever? A year of school seemed like a decade of school and the like. And now that we're all a little older, a year goes by, and you can't believe that one season has transitioned to the next and it's moved on as it has. And When you give it a little bit of thought, it makes sense, though, Right? One year for a four-year-old is 25% of his life, a quarter of his life. So a year seems like this huge measurement of time. One year for an 80-year-old, well, that's just 180th of their life, and that's why it seems to go by so quickly. But it's not just age that seems to affect time for us in our minds and how long something seems to feel, Right? Experience does too, the experience of whatever it is that we are going through, whatever it is we are living through at the time. So for example, five minutes can seem completely different to someone that's in two different situations, right? Someone that's watching a favorite TV show or a movie, five minutes doesn't seem like anything at all, right? Just goes by like that, five hours can go by like that for someone that's enjoying something. But five minutes of really intense cardio exercise, that seems like five hours. Five minutes of being on hold with somebody down in Springfield can seem like five hours, right? It all depends, it's the same measurement, but it's different feels depending on what you are going through. I think the disciples understood this, how time can have a different feel depending on what's happening. I think they understood that especially during Holy Week. Right, You have this uncertainty about their future, uncertainty about Jesus' future after the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was betrayed and arrested. For Peter, I bet the distance between when he realized that Jesus had told him he would deny him three times and he had done it and Easter Sunday, that probably didn't seem like three days, but it probably felt like three years Wondering what his own future was and his own status before God. When they were watching, when things seemed in flux up in the air, I bet those hours felt like days and those days felt like weeks. But of course we all know the whole episode of our Lord's Passion was from start to finish done in less than 24 hours. Surely though it seemed to last forever. Which made Jesus' words the ones that we had in our Gospel lesson today, I think, seem all the more bizarre to the disciples if they remembered them at all. You see, what he said today in the Gospel comes from Holy Week. It comes from when he's in the upper room with the disciples before he goes out to Gethsemane is an arrest is arrested. He says to them, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again in a little while, in a little while, you will see me. Now, we know from elsewhere in the Gospels that when Jesus made these passion predictions about what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem, the disciples weren't, they weren't connecting the dots. They were confused. They like, what's he saying? What's going on? Is he really going to do all that? And Peter goes so far as to say, you can't go and die on the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And so on and so forth. It's a lot of confusion about that. And tonight, tonight meaning when the lesson was given, it's no different. There's still this confusion that they have about his very clear statement. Talking among themselves, what does he mean by a little while? What's this little while? What's this unit of measurement that he is talking about? We're not going to see him, then we're going to see him. You see, it's not just what's going to happen is confusing them, but this when question, what is he saying? Now, surely, right, surely something as big as our Lord's passion, his death, deserves a little bit more fleshing out, right? A little bit more explanation would be nice. It would be nice if he would give a specific time frame for all of this stuff. You know, about 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, I'm going to be hanging on the cross, and at 3 o'clock I'm going to die, and then the women are going to come before the sun's up, or as the sun's coming up on Sunday morning, the tomb will be, you know, just kind of laid it out bit by bit by bit. No, it says he gives them this vague, in a little while, And it surely seemed vague, right? Once he's on the cross, they are going through this weeping, lamenting, with everything up in flux. The world, the pagan world, is rejoicing at what they had just accomplished, killing this man. And disciples are sorrowful. What did he mean by a little while? Why the phrase? Why the double use of it? Why so imprecise? Whenever, we all know, whenever we're going through a chapter of our life that is full of pain, full of sorrow, full of difficulty, we feel the seconds, don't we? Especially if it's physical or emotional pain, right? It seems like the thing is never going to end. We're not going to get out of it. So, for the disciples, why couldn't he have given a specific timeline? He knew. He knew how long it would take. But the answer is simple. And the answer is a good lesson for us. He isn't specific. Because he knows that the anguish of heart that they are going to have while he is suspended on the tree, while he is in the grave, is in fact going to be short. It's not going to be a long time. The sorrow that they have, finally he knows, will be turned to joy when they see his glorious resurrected body again. You see, sometimes the vague answer, the general answer, the non-specific answer, is actually the best answer. Because if you think about it, the precise answer can deflate and demoralize. To use a somewhat lighter example, who here has ever gone out to eat? Actually, I can use a great example. When we first moved here, we went to Lafayette one evening for supper, and we forgot about the time change, so we thought, we're going to beat the supper rush. When well, we get there, it's on Eastern time, long lines everywhere, took forever to get into a restaurant, we're already hungry by the time we arrive, we're hungry by the time we're seated, we're hungry ten minutes later after the waitress got to our table to take our order, we're really hungry by the time the food finally came out. Now remember, you ever been in the restaurant in that situation where you're so hungry and you've been waiting for so long, you just kind of want to ask, is the food going to come out soon? You want to be polite, but you're also curious. And what does the waitress or the waiter do in those situations, Right? You say it'll be out soon. Just a few minutes. It's going to be out very soon. None of them are so stupid as to say, well, it's going to be another 15 minutes probably. You should have gotten here earlier. No. We're actually, if you think about it, kind of happy with the vague answer, it'll be out soon. Because it helps you to hang on to that hope that it will be soon. See, Jesus doesn't want his disciples to have precise facts. He just wants them to know that his word is true. It's just going to be for a little while. It will not be long. It's just going to be for a little while. It's not going to be for terribly long. And that's what they need to hold on to. Jesus does not want them caught up in counting the hours in looking at the clock and not believing, not hanging on to his words. He just wants them to remember what he said and to take his word for it. You're going to be sorry for a little while, and a little while later, you're not going to be sorrow sorrowful, sorry at all. Yes, sorrow in the meantime, but it's not going to be long. It is right for Jesus to say, a little while. Now, there's a broader application here, of course, for us. You think, that is a great lesson about the disciples for them at that time. Fine. Well, it applies to us too. Wouldn't you know it? And the church does this with a lot of these little passages that were meant for the disciples at the time, but we can see our own selves in them as well. This gospel lesson from Maundy Thursday seems a little bit out of place, right? We are in the fourth Sunday of Easter. Jesus has died. He's risen as far as our celebration is concerned. What are we going all the way back to talking about this then? Well, the application is simple. What do we celebrate coming up here in a few weeks but our Lord's ascension into heaven? His resurrected body going up into the clouds to be hidden, to be at the right hand of the Father forever. And if you think about it, the church in this age from the ascension and Pentecost all the way to the end of time, we are in the same position that the disciples were in between when Jesus was arrested and his passion and death And on Easter, when he rose again, Jesus is not seen. We are in the little while that he is not seen. We are where Jesus is, but he is not seen as one person sees another. Because of his visible absence, there is sometimes much sorrow and lamenting in the life of Christians. I want to see my Lord face to face. But, like the disciples, there's the promise. You're going to see me again. I'm not with you, but you will see me, and your sorrow will be turned to joy. This is the time that we live in, a time with weeping and lamenting because of our Lord's visible absence, weeping and lamenting because of sin and death. So what do we need during this time, this period, which seems to be lasting, well, 2,000 years at least at this point? What do we need? The same thing the disciples needed and that Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. We need to remember the Lord's word and to hold on to it in faith. In a little while, we will see him, and our sorrow will be turned to joy. As much as it was true for the disciples then, it's true for us now, in this gap between the Lord's going away and his coming back once and for all. Christ does dwell with us now. I'm with you always to the end of the age. He is here in his word and his sacraments, but... To see him face to face, as the disciples long to see him and be with him face to face, we yearn, we long for, we want to be in that day when we are free from sin and death forever, and rightly so, but Jesus has an answer for us in that yearning. Do not fear, don't worry. You don't see me now, but in a little while you soon will. And in that day, all of our lives, and the pains and sorrows we have known in this veil of tears, they will seem but only a few seconds, as they are replaced by an eternal glory, joy and peace forever with our risen Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen Amen.